welcome to I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate Me, the Sex in the City review podcast from two series first timers. I'm your host, Megan, here with my co-host, Kristen. Hello. And this week we will be recapping, reviewing, and rating season two, episode nine, Old Dog, New Dicks. Friendly reminder to all of our listeners that we go really deep in all of the episodes. So if you want to watch it first and not know what happens, we recommend you doing that and then coming back because there will be spoilers. Before we get started, Christian, how are you and what were your highs and lows for the week and who were you channeling? Hey, I am good. I'm very excited to talk about this episode with you this week. Overall, I had a really good week. A highs, I'm in the middle of a lot of projects right now, and I'm just feeling very inspired by a lot of things. I think I've mentioned before that I like to make a lot of my own clothes, so I've been really inspired with that, and I feel like I'm busy all the time, but not in a bad way, and it's very fulfilling. So I've been very happy and content this week. In terms of lows, it's just very, very hot. We're having a heat wave in New York right now, and no place has good central air conditioning besides my corporate office. But it's the weekend now, and I've just been hot and sweaty all weekend. For channeling this week, I am channeling Samantha. I don't have like a specific reason. She just seems like the kind of person who is out doing a lot of stuff. I know we've seen her that she'll like treat herself to a drink at the bar by herself after work and just things like that. So that's why I went. Totally. Totally. Love that. And how about you? Honestly, this was not a very good week for me. So I'll start with lows. I've been having some work struggles, a lot of really long hours, just generally, but especially this week. And I'm just starting to feel really burnt out and exhausted. And it just kind of seems like no one really cares that that is the case. So that's pretty unfortunate and the pitfalls of capitalism, but that's a different podcast. In terms of highs, at least I have my kitties to keep me going. They're always sweet and cuddly. And I feel like are always a source of joy for me. I also started to do some like longer term planning. So I'm excited about that. I'm moving soon and like just thinking about the future. So that's really exciting. Another high this week is that I went on another podcast podcast hosted by a good friend of mine to talk about relationships in your thirties. So when that episode comes out, I will definitely share it. And I think we're going to have him on our podcast as well, right? We are. Anyway, character of the week. I went with Miranda. I was just generally feeling like a bit low and kind of defeated this week. Mm -hmm. But then because of that, I really just decided that I needed to get up and do something about it, which I think is a very Miranda thing. She's super action oriented. And I think she's the least likely to just take things sitting down and is always looking for a plan, which I'm very much the same way. Cool. Yeah, that is a very Miranda state of mind. Totally. Before we jump into the recap, Kristen, do you want to dig into some of the research for this week? Yeah, I would love to. So this episode is the ninth episode of the second season. The title of the episode, Old Dogs, New Dicks, which is actually pretty funny and crass name. Once we get into the recap, you'll realize why it's pretty applicable. Also, it has an alternative title of Old Dog, New Tricks. 
And I think that's probably syndication. The TBS version. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The TBS version. So you may have seen it both ways. It has an IMDb rating of 7.2, which is about average for this season that we've been seeing. It's a little bit more on the low side, but not like particularly low. And it was another episode that's written by Jenny Bix. We've seen her write several episodes and she's also the executive producer for a lot of episodes. We have a new director this week, Alan Taylor. He is a really big HBO guy. He's directed a lot of episodes for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, Six Feet Under, and several others. He's also directed some action movies like Thor, The Dark World, and Terminator Genesis. I think this is probably pretty early in his career. He went to the University of Toronto And he went to Columbia before going to NYU Film School. And he studied under the great Martin Scorsese. As far as guest stars, we had just a couple this time. The main one was Joshua Draper. He plays Charlotte's love interest, Mike. He's one of those people that kind of looks familiar, but has not been in a lot of things. Of course, the Law and Order circuit. And then he's done a couple of guest spots in shows like Chicago Med and The Good Wife. Then there's also a character that is Samantha's ex, a drag queen. That character is played by real-life drag queen Stephen Polito, a.k.a. Head of Lettuce. She is a prominent drag queen in New York City. She's done a ton of comedy shows and guest spots on things. Fans like me will recognize her from an episode of Project Runway. And it was actually hard to find her because the character that she plays has a name, but in IMDb, she is titled as drag queen one so we're pretty sure that this is the correct actor but you know anything else about that feel free to send us a note because we'd be curious and then the final guest star that i'll mention one of the talking heads is a guy in a business suit and it's actor charles parnell he's very young in this episode this is one of his first acting gigs but if you look him up he is one of those actors that has like played the military guy in like every movie. He's actually in the new Top Gun movie. He played Admiral Solomon Warwick Bates. He's also been in a show called Briar Patch, The Last Ship. He did a voice in The Venture Brothers, just kind of all over the place. So definitely a recognizable face. And that is pretty much everything I have for notes. I think we're ready for the recap if you are. So the episode opens with Carrie narrating that New York is home to the most beautiful women in the world. And it's no wonder that the men in New York can't keep their eyes off of them, even though they need their eyes to survive in the city. And then we see a man ogling a woman as she's also walking down the street and he almost gets hit by a car. And we see a very classic, hey, I'm walking here, New York taxi scene. So Carrie then says that she as a New York woman is pretty happy right now. She's back with big, things are going well well, and we cut to a scene of them walking down the street together. Unfortunately, though, one thing Carrie is not happy about is that Big is still seeing other women and not in the dating sense, but just via checking them out on the street. And this is just really upsetting Carrie, who wants to be the only woman that Big sees. 
A little while later, Carrie is walking through the park with Samantha. It's definitely the same day because she's wearing the same outfit. And she's basically just expressing her concerns about Mr. Big's wandering eye. Samantha says that if Mr. Big checking out other women is their biggest problem, Carrie should really consider herself lucky. And Carrie's basically like, well, if it's such a small deal, like, why can't he just change it for me? Samantha then just says, trying to change a man is just really not a good idea. And she says she should just be taking big how he is. And basically, once you try to change a man, the relationship is doomed. And the only thing that a woman really can change about a man is their hair and their wardrobe. And even then, it's an upward battle. So Carrie says, overall, happy with his hair and wardrobe, but I just don't like the wandering eye and I don't want him to change. I just want him to make some subtle alterations through my own manipulation and cajoling. Samantha warns, be careful with alterations. If you pull the wrong string, the whole thing could unravel. So while Carrie and Samantha talk about the theory of change, Miranda is herself experiencing a lot of real life change. She's in this new apartment. She's in a new relationship with Steve. And while she's super happy with Steve, their opposite schedules are definitely causing some problems because Steve is a bartender. We see Miranda sleeping on her couch when Steve rings the doorbell. She gets up and lets him in and he apologizes for being late and says, you know, I thought the bar was going to close at two, but then these Japanese businessmen came in and they were ordering all of these like fire drinks and it was just kind of crazy. And so Miranda sleepily invites him in. And once they sit down on the couch, Steve starts to like massage her toe and her foot. It's pretty sweet, I think. And he's basically like, yeah, how was your night? And she's just like, I don't know. I I was asleep. I have no idea how my night was. And then he starts chatting about things about his night. And as he's talking, she falls back asleep in a very comically fake way. And Steve seems to find that endearing and not rude. The next morning, Miranda and Steve are in bed when her alarm clock goes off. Carrie's narrating that everything between Steve and Miranda has been great, again, except their schedules. We see a scene of them having sex in the morning after the alarm goes off and she's like getting ready to get out of bed. And Steve's like, no, come back here and pulls her back in bed. And Miranda like initially looks a little bit annoyed, but overall she obliges and does seem to still enjoy the sex, even though she's worried about being late. Charlotte, meanwhile, is dating a new guy named Mike, and we are told that he is a feared restaurant critic with his own five whisk rating system. We see Charlotte and Mike making out on her bed, and they're about to have sex. And then Mike says, Charlotte, you're a five whisk woman. So things start getting a little steamy, and Charlotte unzips his pants. But when she looks down at his penis, she discovers that Mike is uncircumcised and she is very much just surprised and not very thrilled. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm not circumcised. Is that a problem? And she's like, oh no, it's no big deal. Meanwhile, Carrie's narrating, actually it was a big deal because the only uncut version of anything Charlotte has ever seen is gone with the wind, which I thought was a funny comment. It was pretty crude, but it did make me chuckle both times I heard it. I know, totally. So the next day, the gals are eating lunch together. Charlotte's telling everybody about Mike being uncircumcised and is like, ugh, his penis is like a Sharpay with all that extra skin. And Carrie's just really surprised and is like, wait, have you never seen an uncircumcised penis before? And Charlotte's like, what? I grew up in Connecticut. Why would I have? Miranda tells Charlotte that you're dating the guy. You're not dating his penis. But Charlotte's basically like, well, aesthetics are important to me and him not being circumcised is not normal. Samantha adds in that 
that she actually really likes uncircumcised penises and just overall that what a dick looks like shouldn't matter. It's what it can do. And then Carrie actually tells Charlotte that 85% of men globally are not actually circumcised. Miranda then makes a joke that that means at maximum, she's only slept with 15% of the world's population, implying she's never had sex with someone who's uncircumcised. Charlotte then is like, well, he's such a nice waspy guy. Like, I'm just not sure what went wrong with him, which, ew, Charlotte, okay. That night, Big and Carrie go out to dinner. They're having what seems like a nice enough time. However, as Carrie is talking to Big, he goes to light up a cigar and Carrie catches him checking out the waitress. As he lights the cigar, the waitress comes back over and is like, hey, you can't smoke your cigar in here. And Big is such a jerk about this. And he's like, well, I checked the zoning and I should be able to smoke here. And she's like, well, listen, like, I don't care if you smoke, but it's for the other customers. And then he looks around and he's like, there's five other people here. What's the big deal? And then he literally goes to every table and asks them, Hey, do you mind if I smoke this cigar inside? Like I'll buy everybody a round of drinks. And it's just very dickish, to be honest. I did not think it was a cute look, but that is beside the point. Big gets back to the table and sits down and Carrie's like, no one is going to tell you to your face if they have a problem with you smoking that. And Big's just like, good. I don't want them to. And Carrie says, you know, you're incredibly arrogant. And Big is like, well, I thought that's what you liked about me. A few minutes later, we see them leaving the restaurant. Big and Carrie are walking down the street. Big is smoking another cigar. He's really going through these bad boys. And Carrie catches him eyeing another woman. Carrie's fed up and stops him and like grabs his face and turns it towards her and is like, stop it. And he's like, yo, what is the deal? Like, this is a little weird. And she wants to tell him that she doesn't like that he's checking out other women in front of her. But she says instead, you know, I hate that you smoke cigars. And so he casually just like tosses the cigar out and is kind of like, all right, doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. And then he says, look, you even said it to my face, referencing back to the comments in the restaurant. A little while later, Carrie's in her apartment smoking cigarettes, not cigars, and writing. She voices over that New York and New Yorkers are constantly changing and wonders, you know, if it's so easy for the city and the people in it to change all the time, why is it so hard for big to change? And this brings up her thesis question for the episode. Is it actually possible to change a man? So we then cut to a talking head scene. The first woman says that her husband used to be obsessed with watching sports, but then she started fooling around with his best friend. And now he's obsessed with watching her toxic, but okay. A guy in a suit says that all of his girlfriends have always tried to change at least something about him. And the only thing that has ever changed is the girlfriend. And then in the last kind of vignette of this scene, we see an older couple. The man is like, he's got this little pole and he's like spinning a plate around on it. I don't know. It's, it's like a bit goofy. And then his wife just like turns around and looks at him, shakes her head and just says, no. Meanwhile, Charlotte and Mike are walking down the street together and they get to her apartment and Mike's like, yeah, should we go upstairs? And Charlotte just starts making some excuses and it's like, oh, sorry, my apartment's a mess. Like, I'm just really tired. And Mike kind of cuts her off in the middle and he's like, listen, I know what this is really about. You're not the first woman to have reacted to this about me not being circumcised. And because it's such an issue, I've thought about it. And even though it's going to be a painful and long recovery, I'm going to get circumcised. And instead of Charlotte saying like, no, you shouldn't do that. She says, oh my gosh, really? And thinks that it's so sweet that he's going to go out of his way to do this for her. And she doesn't mind waiting to have sex again until this happens. 
The next morning, Miranda and Steve are having their usual morning sex. Once they finish, Miranda is going to get out of bed and get ready. And Steve like pulls her back in and he's like, Hey, it's Saturday. Like, let's kind of relax and just chill. And Miranda's like, okay, but like, how long are we going to be laying in bed? And Steve's like, what, you want a time limit for cuddling? Like, I don't know. It's Saturday. Who cares? And Miranda's just like, okay, but like Saturdays are my free day. And that's when I like to do my grocery shopping and my laundry and get my nails done. And I just like to have a time limit because I don't want to like lay in bed all day. So then she kind of softens a little bit and says, all right, like, I'll lay down and cuddle with you, but like only for an hour and a half tops. However, that night the gals meet up at their favorite bar to play drag bingo. And Miranda is telling them I was in bed all day. I did nothing. You know, I love Steve and I love having sex with him, but the morning sex and the cuddling is just really starting to get to her because of her schedule. Samantha is super into the bingo game. And she's like, when are we going to get N23? Like I need to win. Charlotte is basically telling Miranda that everyone wants a guy that wants to cuddle. So she should count herself lucky. And Carrie's like, yeah, honestly, I'm jealous. Big won't even spend the night at my place. What you and Steve have is actually real intimacy. Miranda's like, it's not intimacy. It's better rest. I can't stand laying in bed all day. She's just frustrated. She's like, why is it that I have to change my routine for him? Why can't he make any changes? And Carrie's kind of like, yeah, why is it always women that are expected to change stuff? And Charlotte then just adds, well, women are more adaptable. That's why. Classic. Samantha tells Miranda that she's always enjoyed morning sex. And Miranda's like, I truly have not had morning sex since I was college and I didn't have to be in class until the afternoon. So then Charlotte, as a solution, suggests that they create a schedule. And Miranda's like, you want me to create a schedule for sex? Then Charlotte says, if you really like somebody, you should do whatever you can to try and make it work. To which Miranda responds, that's pretty rich coming from someone who just dumped a guy over foreskin. And Charlotte then reveals that she and Mike are actually still dating and that he is getting circumcised for her and the girls are all a bit shocked Carrie cuts the tension and just makes a joke saying please don't tell me that we're like invited to the bris and they all have a laugh so a few moments later one of the drag hostesses walks by and Samantha asks hey can I get another bingo board the hostess looks back and sees that it is Samantha and she knows her and is surprised but excited to see her Samantha doesn't recognize her but then the drag queen reveals that she's actually someone named Brad who Samantha had previously dated a few years back and Brad is a professional hockey player and does drag now and Samantha's like oh wow when did you start doing drag and Brad says Oh, it was about five years ago, actually, like right after we broke up. And Samantha's like, oh, well, how are the kids? And Brad starts to tell her, but then is interrupted by one of the other queens who's addressing Brad as Samantha. And we then realize that his drag persona has been inspired by Samantha. And Samantha is like a bit shocked by this. And drag Samantha makes a comment like, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and then walks away. So Samantha's generally not pleased. Carrie and Miranda make a comment about Brad's kids having two mommies. And they say like, oh, Samantha actually can change a man. Two hours later, Carrie's supposed to meet Big at his place. However, when she gets there, he's not there and she has to wait for him for half an hour and she's extremely irritated. He finally shows up and Carrie's like, I'm pissed. You catch me here waiting. 
everybody here thinks that I'm a hooker. He tells Carrie, you didn't have to wait here. You could have waited at the coffee shop down the street. And Carrie's just like, this wouldn't be an issue if you would just give me a key to your place and then I can wait upstairs. Or better yet, maybe you could spend the night at my place sometimes. And Big is like, eh, I like my bed too much. And he's very dismissive of her concerns. That night, neither Carrie nor Big want to have sex and they are laying in bed sleeping. Carrie narrates that she kind of wonders if this was all she was ever going to get out of Big. Was this enough for her? And then at 3 a.m., Big rolls over and knocks Carrie out of bed. She yells at him and he goes to turn on the light to see what happens. And as he turns on the light, she punches him and accidentally maybe hits him in the face. They start yelling at each other and Big gets out of bed and he's like, I'm not talking to you like this. I'm going to go sleep on the couch. An hour later, Carrie can't sleep still. And she's like, well, that means Big doesn't get to sleep. So she wakes him up with ice for his face. And she then just kind of unloads all of her frustrations. And she lets it all out. And she says, I hate that you look at other women when we're together. I hate that I don't have a key to your place. I hate that you've never spent the night at my place. And I hate that you can't make space for me in your bed. So she's like, listen, I know I'm letting this all out now. And a lot of this is not your fault because I've never said anything about it, but I'm saying it now and it really bothers me. And even though I'm back in your life, I feel like nothing has changed. And I just want to see something change. Like it doesn't have to be everything, but just something. And Big basically says, well, physical violence is never the answer. And Carrie's like, I know. And I'm going to head home. And then before she leaves, she's kind of like, you know, I'm sure there's things about me that you also don't like. Like you can say that. And Big's basically like, I'm not falling for that trick. And Carrie narrates. That's one thing she likes about Big. He knows when to shut up. So the next night, Charlotte takes Mike out to celebrate his circumcision, which is a weird celebration, but okay. As they're walking down the street, Charlotte asks him, did the procedure hurt? And he's like, on a scale of one to five, I'd give it a 72. And he says that he has another week for recovery. And so Charlotte's like, oh, I can't wait that long. Like, I want to be with you now. And they start making out on the street and it's implied that he gets an erection, but it's like super painful because he's still healing. And so he's like, all right, I'll see you next week. Like, you should really go. A few hours later, Miranda plans a 2 a.m. seduction for when Steve gets off of work so that they can have sex at night instead of the morning. Steve arrives and they start making out and Miranda's like, all right, you go to the bedroom. I'm going to get wine. She comes back to the room with the wine and Steve is already asleep. She wakes him up and she's pretty irate, I would say, and tells him, I think you need to spend the night at your place tonight. He's like, well, why? Like, why do I need to do that? And she's like, well, I want to catch up on sleep and I don't want to worry about having sex with you in the morning and like laying in bed all day when I have stuff to do. And Steve's like, wait, does that mean you don't like having sex with me? And she's like, no, I love having sex with you, but I just want to have sex at night sometimes like a normal person. I hate doing it in the morning all the time. And Steve's like, okay, well, like we can have sex now. And Miranda's being a bit of a brat. And it's like, no, the window's already passed. Like we can't have sex now. I'm a lawyer and I'm busy and I'm tired. And like, we need to schedule stuff. And he's just kind of like, well, I'm a bartender and I get tired of hearing about people's neuroses all day. So he's kind of disgruntled. And then he leaves and Miranda is left just feeling not great about the situation. A week later, Charlotte finally has her chance with Mike. He's fully healed and ready to go, I guess. And they are in her bed Charlotte sees Mike's post-circumcision penis and is like, wow, it looks perfect. And she's so excited. And then he's like, hey, you know that, that this basically means that I'm a virgin, right? And then they have sex because I guess that's a sexy thing to say. 
afterwards. They're laying in bed. Charlotte says the sex was wonderful. Mike's like, oh yeah, it was a five. He rates everything. Charlotte asks him what he wants to do next Saturday. And Mike's kind of confusing. Oh, did we already have plans next weekend that I forgot about? And she's like, no, but here are some like things that we could do. And Mike's like, wait, wait, wait. You know, that's all fine and dandy, but I'm not really ready to exclusively date just you. And he basically says that he can't be tied down right now. Like there's a whole new side of him that people want to like, that he wants people to, to get out and see. And he wants to share with them. And Charlotte's like, uh, are you talking about your new penis? And he's like, yep, I sure am. And Charlotte rolls over in bed and is like upset. And he kind of lifts the covers up to look at the work again. And it's kind of funny. And they never see each other again. We're Doesn't he make some comment about like how he's got to take this dog out on a walk or something? Yeah. He's basically like, I owe it to myself to take the dog out for a walk. Gross. Is gross, but Charlotte did call his penis a Sharpay previously. I don't mm. think to his face, but I think that's what they were getting at. Anyway, a couple days later, Carrie's at home and she's kind of lounging. She's wearing this cookie monster pajama set, which I found amusing, but she's basically narrating. Maybe you actually can change a man. You can change him into not calling you. Just as she's thinking that big actually knocks on the door He has a black eye from her hitting him in the face and she invites him in. Big tells her, maybe you need to have a key to know how crazy I am about you, but I've given out like five keys previously and you just never get them back. And it's really annoying. And he's like, I know that I hog the bed a lot, but like, it's my bed, but I like to have you in it. And Carrie's kind of joking, oh, maybe I should hit you in the face more often because she's like starting to hear things that she wants to hear. And then he's like, yeah, but my issue with you is that you always eat oranges in bed and it makes the bed sticky and it makes the bed smell afterwards and I can't stand it. And then they start almost like a negotiation between the things that they do that drives the other person crazy and like how they'll address those things. And Big makes a comment like, all right, if this is a negotiation, I guess I'm going to have to spend the night so that we can sort through those details. And this is the first time that Big has ever spent the night at Carrie's apartment. after over a year cumulatively of them dating. So Carrie then says, while she realizes that neither of them will probably ever fundamentally change, they were at least talking about it. And maybe that was the biggest change of all, just having more communication. Across town, it's 2 a.m. Miranda's still awake. She's just still feeling bad about her argument with Steve. And Steve calls her from a payphone and tells Miranda, hey, go to the window and like look up. And she sees the moon and it's particularly beautiful that night. And Steve's like, yeah, it's a blue moon. It's really rare. I just wanted you to see it. And Miranda's really touched by this and the romanticness of Steve. And she's like, come over after work. I want to see you. And that night they had sex together and then they did it again in the morning. And Miranda was late for work, but she didn't even notice. And we end the episode with Carrie narrating, maybe you can't change a man, but once in a blue moon, you can change a woman. And that is the end of the episode. Kristen, what were your overall thoughts on the episode? I didn't hate this episode. I found some of the plot lines pretty confusing. Yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of thoughts. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. 
Yeah, I had a similar kind of reaction. I thought it was an okay episode. I have found that I tend to not like the Jenny Bix episodes as much as I want to like them. (laughs) since She is one of the only women writers on the show. I mean, she's still better than Star, obviously, but I'm always just like, I just want like a really, really good episode that's not written by MPK. I want a good female written episode. And I don't really feel like we've gotten that yet. No, we haven't. What storylines were you confused about? So was the previous episode not about how big has changed and their relationship is different? Right. I also noticed that. And now it's like, well, men can't change. It's just kind of frustrating because it's like, well, what is it? It's a weird order of events. They probably should have made this episode come before the episode where she's like, the relationship with Big hasn't changed. Right. That said, I think they're approaching change from like a slightly different lens. They're not doing a good job at distinguishing, right? But like the last episode is really about how the relationship dynamics have changed. Whereas this episode is more about the individual person and change. It's a a weird distinction and I don't think they executed it very well, but that was kind of how I was looking at it. Yeah. I mean, that sort of makes sense. I found that just a strange choice back to back. What do you think about Carrie punching Mr. Big in the face? So I have a couple of thoughts on this. If you watch the episode, she clearly actually punches him in the arm. You see her punch him in the arm. But then all of a sudden he's like, oh, my face, my face. And I think we're supposed to believe that it was an accident that she punched him in the face and she was going for the arm. But it was a little bit weird. Obviously, it was an accident that he kicked her out of bed. I get that she had kind of like hit a breaking point with him. But also just this idea of like trying to change somebody to fit all of the things that like you specifically want. I'm not a huge fan of. I think there's things that you can compromise on which is how they tried to end the episode. But I didn't really love that whole premise. I get where they're going. I mean, she gave him a black eye and she doesn't really apologize. She does say later when she sees his black eye, like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she kind of jokes about it. I don't know. I know it was like she wasn't intentionally trying to punch him in the face, but she was punching him hard because she was mad. I wasn't looking at where she was hitting it, but I went back to see if she was actually like a fist and she definitely has a fist. She definitely has a fist, but they just didn't do a good job of like cutting it because like you see her punch his arm and then he's like, oh, my face. Mm -hmm. So they're asleep and he rolls over and she like falls out of bed and he wakes up and is like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And she's like really mad and she's like, no, I'm not. And he leans over to see if she's okay and she swings at him. And I just feel like it bothered me that she had zero moments of introspection of like, I can't act this way. Like I'm an adult who wants to be in a serious relationship. If I let things boil up to the point where I'm physically hitting somebody, that's not okay. That's what eight-year-olds do when they don't know how to express themselves. That to me was just really messed up. I guess maybe some people are just like, it was an accident, but I don't think that she or the show addressed it well enough because As Mr. Big did say, physical violence is never the answer. And it really isn't. Totally. I do think it was an accident to hit him in the face. Also, in her defense, she does say sorry immediately afterwards. I mean, she makes excuses because that's who Carrie is. She never apologizes with like no strings attached. That's who Carrie is. But she does apologize, which is, I think, the best that we can expect from Carrie, to be honest. 
Here's something I wanted to quickly comment on. So when Samantha and Carrie are walking through the park, Carrie's like, you know, I just want him to like make some alterations. And Samantha makes that comment. Be careful if you pull the wrong thread, like the entire thing will unravel. I thought that was personally funny because this is very literal, but I dated a guy in high school. He was wearing this really ugly sweater. It had a loose thread and I cannot stand loose threads. And I literally pulled the loose thread to break it. And his entire sleeve literally <laughs> fell off. That's funny. I know that they're trying to like mix it up as far as characters talking to other characters. But why are you going to go to Samantha about relationship advice? Of course, Samantha is going to tell you, no, you can't change a man. Why even bother? Don't try. I actually agree with Samantha though. Not that like you can't change a man, but like if you want to change him so fundamentally, then like, why are you together? Yeah. Like if you just say like, Hey, it bothers me when you're blatantly checking people out in front of me, then like the guy should probably just be like, Oh yeah. Like, sorry, I will keep a better eye on that next time. Like nobody's going to be like, no, I'm going to keep hurting your feelings by like checking them out. I think the overarching advice is like, you shouldn't fundamentally try to change someone because they will resent you for it. Yeah. But I think that the advice was like, well, don't even bother. And I do think for the specific thing that Carrie was complaining about, the advice should be like, well, maybe you should have like an honest conversation with him and say that really bothers me. But I also think Samantha just doesn't think that that thing is a big deal. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I know. It's weird that, that she would talk to Samantha about it. It is weird that she would talk to Samantha about it, but I overall don't disagree with Samantha's feedback. So I thought that Mike's five whisk rating system was pretty funny. And the fact that they kept calling back to it and he was rating everything really made me laugh. Yeah. I don't know why I found that so funny. I will say I hated the entire circumcision storyline. I thought that was really fucked up. Number one, Charlotte, that is truly like not a big deal. And also she's like talking about it. Like, oh, there's something wrong with him because he's not circumcised. Like what went wrong? He has got such a good background. This episode is my turning point. I think I'm done with Charlotte. She was so annoying and so like judgy about it and yeah like the comments that she was making they asked her like oh you've never seen a guy who wasn't uncircumcised and she's like I'm from Connecticut and he's a good waspy boy like shut up and then later she has the nerve to tell Carrie well women are the one that need to change because we're more adaptable when have you ever changed for anyone and she expects every man to change for her right it's unreasonable it is Charlotte was really out of line this episode. Also, when he's like, this has been a problem my whole life, and he's clearly self-conscious about it. She's just like, oh my gosh, really? Thank you so much for doing this for me. The right answer to that would be like, hey, if this is for me, you really don't need to do that. But if it will help you feel more confident, it's your choice. I thought it was really gross. And like props to Carrie, at least for saying, you know, it's actually not that uncommon. 85% of the world's population is uncircumcised. It's like the UK, the US and like half of Australia and like obviously Israel, they circumcise their kids. Everybody else is like, no, why would you? And people are actually deciding to circumcise their children less and less these days. I know. And they didn't even address any of that. It was just like, of course you should be circumcised. If not, you're like disgusting. 
Totally. And it's like along the same lines of when we were talking about Samantha's boyfriend, James, and like his small penis, I felt very similar about this, except I actually, in some ways feel like this was worse. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Like Charlotte is just the worst to me now. I really don't like her. She's just so judgy about everything. The stereotype of a Charlotte is somebody who's more nurturing and kind and optimistic, but actually not really. She's probably like the one that's most hateful of all of them. Totally. If there was anyone that was going to be overtly racist, it would be her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be fair, we have not seen that in the show, but I think we can draw the conclusion that if any of them were to be that way, it would be Mm -hmm. Charlotte. And I feel like she probably also doesn't date black guys or anybody that's not white. Here's another scene I really hated. I hated the scene with Carrie and Big at the restaurant and the cigar. Yes. That was so cringy. We both hate Mr. Big. I think I tend to go a little bit easier on him than you do. But this week I was just like, this is like absolutely infuriating. He lights up a cigar. The waitress says, hey, you can't do that. And he's like, actually, I think I can. And he then goes around, makes a whole production of a scene and comes back and Carrie's clearly very embarrassed as I would also be. I would just leave. If I was with somebody and they're doing that, I would just be like, nope, I'm not going to watch this. It's just like, very much that mentality that like I have a lot of money so I can do whatever I want. And he was talking so condescendingly that yeah. it was just so obnoxious. And like Gary said, of course, they're not going to be like, yeah, don't smoke that stinky cigar here. And even if they didn't care because everybody else is having a nice time, like you're not above the rules. And also they were almost done with dinner. He could go out. Yeah, like just wait, who cares? It was just ridiculous. And it was very much not a cute scene. I feel like if somebody did that, I would end the relationship right there because that just shows that you have no respect for anyone. But yeah, even when they're like arguing about him being late and she's waiting for him, he's definitely like, minimizing her concerns and he's like well you could have waited at a coffee shop yeah he was very like you could have gone to the coffee shop you idiot it is weird that she waited 30 minutes for him to show up when mitch and i were dating i went to his house to meet him and he was at home because i could hear him playing his roommate's drums and he didn't come to the door and i was like banging on the door and he wouldn't answer so i just left and like i went to go get i went to get coffee or dinner by myself and then like 30 minutes later he's like where are you and i'm like well i was here and i left because you were playing the drums i mean also that was early 20s but like it's why was she waiting there she had high shoes she should have just gone home or done whatever I don't like how even though she keeps getting frustrated with him she allows that kind of treatment like people treat you how you let them treat you totally I almost feel like she waited there just so that she could have something to pick a fight with him about. Yeah. Yeah. She could have gone and done something else. Also, another thing with cell phones would have been avoided. Also, they both have cell phones at this point. Yeah, but they don't have texting. I mean, he could have called and said he was late, though. You know, even from like meeting up with dates and stuff like, I mean, I guess he could say he was running late, but I don't know. It's still the point of it is that somebody's still late. But he could have called her and said that he was late. They both have cell phones now. Yeah, I feel like we'll get into this a little bit more during the problematic stuff, but the drag bingo, woof, the way that was addressed was not the best. So that's one of my areas of confusion 
Mm-hmm. So a guy that Samantha used to date, this guy Brad, is mm-hmm. now a drag queen. Is the idea that like Samantha turned him gay now? Or is it just that? Because they were saying no, like Samantha it could change a man. I think it's just like changing from a man to a woman is what they're getting at. Oh, yeah. It just the whole idea of it. I'm kind of glad that they went the extra mile and made it like, oh, and his drag name is Samantha. Because that makes it a little bit funnier. But Carrie leaning over when Brad's talking about his kid to be like. They have uh, two mommies. Yeah. Jake has two mommies. Wow. Great schoolyard bullying there, Carrie. I know. I know. And then when drag Samantha leaves, Samantha of the gals is like, I'm so much prettier than him. The pronoun usage in this whole scene was like really bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, But one thing I did think was kind of funny was drag Samantha and Sex in the City regular Samantha were both wearing animal print outfits. And I wonder if that was intentional. I think it was. I liked that. I thought that was pretty funny. And I like when Miranda's discussing Steve's schedule, Samantha is like really into bingo. <laughs> so she just keeps interjecting the conversation being like, oh, why do they never call my number? I know. I know. She was really mad. They did call it eventually. I don't know if you noticed yet. After drag Samantha walks away, they call N23, which is just after Samantha switched out her bingo card. Womp womp. But N23 is a fake bingo number. Yeah. So everyone's aware. So what did you think about Steve and Miranda? I felt like that storyline was kind of relatable. Just like dating somebody with opposite hours from you is tough. I think it was maybe taken a little bit far by Miranda. She was being completely inflexible when he's like, okay, well, we can have sex now. And she's like, no, it's too late. Miranda, no, it's not. He just fell asleep. And she says that she was like ready half an hour before, but like she had literally just gone to get the wine and he fell asleep in like two minutes. I really like Steve. I think Steve is sweet. Also, it's just funny that this, when this episode was timed, because I've been going into the office and like I said, in my highs, I I just have like a lot of projects and things. So I've kind of been scheduling my day and Mitch has been, this is his last week before he starts work. So he's just been like hanging out and like starting to drink a bit early. So when I've been coming home from work, I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And then we're going to make dinner and then we're going to do this. And he's like, let's have a drink. Let's hang out. Let's chat. Let's do it. And I'm like, no, there's not time for that right now. This is not on my plan. And it's like, what is wrong with you? You're here with the person that you love and they want to spend time with you. You know, lose perspective sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I totally, and another time I might've been like, oh, Samantha's being crazy, but I feel like I was in that that same headspace this week where it's like, I don't know why I'm so mad about it, but just in the moment, it's just throwing you for a loop. And I really liked when she was like, I'm a lawyer, I plan things. And he's like, well, I'm a bartender and I get sick of people's neuroses. Totally it was, it was fair. And then along what you were saying about liking Steve, I find it very interesting because it shows that this show does know how to write like a good Good guy. Yeah. Yeah, Cause he like, does think that like, she's funny when she falls asleep and like, he comes in late and he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And then she like stubs her toe and he's rubbing her feet. And he calls her during the blue moon. Right. So sweet. Yeah. Like he's just being sweet and nice. It's interesting that that issue that they're having instead of it being like it's a weird issue about like his penis I know and their sex thing and it's, it's more like just an about... actual problem versus like right. a manufactured problem 
Yes. And I liked that a lot. Same. I think their storyline was probably my favorite. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about before maybe we jump into questions after Mike gets his circumcision and he's got the go ahead to have sex, Charlotte is very excited about all of this. And Kristen, you've already expressed that you do not like the way that Charlotte acts in intimate settings, but I also specifically did not like this because Mike is just like, you know, now that I'm circumcised, I'm basically a virgin. And she's like, oh yeah. It's so cringy on a couple of levels. One is that virginity is just generally a fake news created construct to control women. And also, sorry, my guy, but being circumcised does not make you a virgin. And it actually just means that your penis is probably less sensitive than it was before. So just saying. Well, he said it was five whisk sex. So I guess it was was right. Five five whisk sex. I didn't like it at all. No. The last thing I wanted to mention, one of the early scenes is Miranda waiting for Steve and she falls asleep on the couch and the scene starts at her feet and like the camera goes up her body slowly in like a seductive way, kind of lingering on her bare leg. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Mm, this must be a male director. And of course it was, <laughs> and he's worked on Game of Thrones. So it's like not surprising. Classic. Um, but I just found it funny of like, oh, you can tell. I know. And like not so sexily sleeping. Yeah. That reminded me of one last thing. So you mentioned at the top, I didn't know this before we started recording, but you mentioned at the top that they hired a stunt driver and a stunt like guy for the scene where he almost gets hit by the car. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really funny fact just like knowing that this guy actually tends to direct like action movies he's trying to bring his passion for action into a sex in the city episode right I thought that was kind of funny that is funny all right should we jump to questions yeah yeah I've got quite a few um okay do you think that you can actually change people in relationships yes do you think that you should change people in relationships so No, because you can't go into it being like, oh, they're this way, but I can change them. Like that's never going to work. I mean, the key to a good relationship is open communication. And through that, you get to the point where you'll want to change for the other person. I guess that's why I didn't like the conversation between Carrie and Samantha. It's really just like saying something and expressing the way you feel about it. So yes, I don't think you can change somebody. I think that you can establish a type of relationship where somebody would want to change in small ways to, you know, make the other person happy. Got it. I generally agree with you. I think there are like small things where you're not necessarily changing the person, but you're making them aware of the things that bother you so that at least when they're around you, they can adapt accordingly. And I think there's a limit to what that can be. So not overtly checking women out, I think is totally feasible. If somebody's chronically late being like, Hey, can you not be late all the time? Like, can you take steps to like not be late or at least tell me when you're going to be late? Those types of things. I think, you know, those are small things that they may not change at their core, but like they can make those small kind of adjustments to, uh, to improve the relationship. I think overarching things like someone being arrogant, like in this case, with big and just larger personality traits or like friend groups or that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not really something you can change. And if you 
do expect someone to change that, you should also expect to get some resentment in return. Yeah, totally agree. I think those things are legitimate, but I think there is a line where it's like, you can't expect somebody to change that about themselves. Right. And I also think that you can't expect somebody to change the core of how they are. Like you were saying about Mr. Big being arrogant. You could be like, well, I want you to change in that you will sleep in my bed sometimes at my apartment versus I want you to change and come and live in my apartment and not like your fancy building anymore. That's who he is. That's not going to make him happy. Agree. Agree. And he's always going to be arrogant. So God, he's terrible. Do you think there's a difference in men versus women in terms of who is better at changing? No, that's such a fucking cop out. I hated that Charlotte said that. Anybody that says that that is a thing is just unwilling to make changes and is not someone that's worth having in your life. We had just talked about it. Charlotte is the least flexible of any of them. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, anybody can be flexible if they want to be flexible. And to me, if you are not, then that just means that we're like, not like a good vet. Like one of the people I like recently dated was like so rigid in his schedule and just the way he did everything so rigid. I remember even from the beginning where I was just like, this is never going to work out because he's way too set in his ways. So Mm -hmm. like for me, anybody that's like that, that's not necessarily a male or female trait. Right. That's just like how some people are. And like, if people are like that, male or female, I don't really want much to do with them. Yeah. What about you? I'm assuming you also don't think that no, not at all. women are more flexible than men. No, I hate the cop out of like, oh, he's a man. You can't change a man. Anybody will change any amount for somebody if they care. What are your thoughts on circumcision? I actually don't have any. I asked Mitch about it and he kind of didn't have any. Interesting. I have thoughts. I'm curious to hear them. Yeah, that's just one of those things that I've never really had to think about before. What about you? I don't really care one way or the other, whether somebody's circumcised or not. It doesn't really matter that much. And yeah, we we talked about this a little bit. Like the US and like a handful of countries are really the only countries that like do circumcision. So the way Charlotte was viewing it was a really like elitist way to view it. And yeah, I, it was terrible. I didn't think it was really like addressed well in a fantasy world where you have children and Ugh. you had a son, would you get him circumcised? That would be Mitch's decision. Honestly, I was just going to say, I that's think the same a, thing. I think most things are, are like almost everything else would be like, well, it's I'm the mother. I get to choose, but he's the father. Yeah. Well, I mean, I assume in the fantasy scenario of having kids with somebody, it would be, (laughs) but yeah, that would be, that would be the the dad's decision. I generally agree. Although I think if I was somehow impregnated and a single mother and keeping this child, which is all in itself a fantasy Uh (laughs) and I had a son, this is so hypothetical. Uh It cannot be any more hypothetical. I probably wouldn't though. Just like having talked with different men about their views on it, I feel like I probably wouldn't. Interesting. What other questions do you have? So this one I just thought was funny. Do you think that the reason why Mr. Big won't give Carrie a key is because he's done it before or because he knows the second she's in his place alone, she's just going to go through everything that he has? Oh my gosh. That's a good point that I didn't even think about. I think it's probably commitment issues, but that is a good flag because she has no boundaries. 
So I think that's pretty legitimate that he does not want her to have keys to his apartment. Right. Another question I have is, do you think it's a red flag for you if you're dating somebody for over a year and they've never stayed at your place with the caveat that you have your own place and you would like for them to stay at your place? Yes. Although I will say I have had exes where I do not stay the night at their place because they've gross boy apartments or like now I have the cats, right? So like, I don't want to like well, leave yeah. them. I don't want to leave them overnight alone. But if somebody like expressed to me, like, Hey, I really want you to spend the night at my place. And like, I would, but like my last ex, I never spent the night at his place. It was such a like dungeon boy apartment. Do you think and that's the way Mr. Big feels about Carrie's apartment? Maybe it could be. Yeah. Well, I do feel like that's the way Mr. Big feels, but yeah. I also was like, I know it's a fictional show and it's Carrie is writing this from like the perspective of it being a TV show. But I, I was thinking like, Carrie girl, don't put that in your column. Do you want people to know that you've been dating a guy a year and he's never stayed at your apartment? <laughs> the fact that he stays one night because you have a fight is not what you think it means. I know. Like, oh, look at this, this great guy. He stayed one night at my apartment after a year. It's funny you bring that up. I always think about some of the stuff that Carrie's writing about in her articles and like a lot of it is so personal about mm-hmm. Big and I'm like does he just like not I think care? He does he not read the article? I don't know. Like I if, I'm it, guessing... if it was me, I would not want somebody talking about me in that regard so openly. I think she writes sent on those things. I don't think that most of that actually makes it to the article. I take it all with the grain of salt or it's like she has a six month lead time on everything so all this stuff happened months and months ago that's Mm. why she calls him Mr. Big so that she doesn't identify his name I don't know could be it but it would be weird yeah or it's like kind of written from the perspective of maybe like a journal entry that she then edits heavily to then be an article yeah later right that's probably more what it is have you ever had to deal with slash what are your thoughts on a guy checking out other women when they're like out with you on the street? Oof, this question, my answer is going to take a dark turn. No, not really. Not overtly. I'm sure that they do. You know what I mean? Like guys that I've dated do do that, but mm-hmm. not in a way that I've ever really like noticed or been concerned about. I did have an ex though, that like literally thought that I was checking out every man that walked by and like would literally yell at me about it. And I would just be like, I don't even know who you're talking about, who I was supposed to have just checked out. Ooh, um, that sounds like something else, but that's not it sounds right. like abuse because it was. Yeah. But anyway, I'm glad you recognize that. Yeah. It sounds like abuse because it was. And we are no longer together. But I feel like for that reason, even if I did notice it, I would never address it like that. I would just be like, hey, I get it. We're human. We're going to find other people attractive. Can you just be a little bit more subtle? Well, I have a funny story on that. When I first moved to New York, well, Mitch was here first. And then I moved up here to probably the first month or so that I was here. He would do that full head turn thing. Mm-hmm. And probably like the third time he did it, I was like, you cannot do that. What is that? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, are you just watching other women walk down the street? Like that is insane. He's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not doing that. And I'm like, what were you just looking at? And when there's a really good looking bike chained up to a post, he still will do it 
it's bikes that he's looking at. And like, it's one of those things that it's now funny because I catch him. It's not like a thing where he came up with an excuse. It is a hundred percent. Cause even when he had done it the first couple of times, I never saw the woman he was looking at. I would just see his head turn. And I think he's aware of it now. So he doesn't do it as much. We'll make jokes about it. But he'll be like, Ooh, look at those sweet curves. <laughs> look at the frame on that one. <laughs> That's really funny. And it was, it was very funny. <laughs> I feel like if I just see anyone interesting, I'm going to look at it, but it's not usually because I'm like super checking someone out. Yeah. Although I usually just like tell the person I'm on a date with, if I think somebody's hot. Yeah. (laughs) Not to make them feel bad, but just to be like, wow, that person's like super attractive. That guy's objectively hot. Right. (laughs) Because it's like, you're comfortable with the person that you're with. So you have that open line of communication. I think that's way more healthy. Totally. Totally. All right. Should we jump to the segments? Yes. All right. Fashion. Do you have anything you wanted to flag? I have a few this episode. The first thing I want to call out is, did you notice what was back in this episode? The ugly shawl. How the could I miss ugly it? shawl. From previous, was it last episode or the episode before? Carrie's wearing like a- Episode seven. It's when yeah. she's still, when she's still hiding about dating Mr. Right. It's a cheating curve. Yeah. Carrie's wearing like this blue loose wrap and we've discussed how much we don't like it. Megan, especially she's wearing it again in this uh-huh, episode uh-huh. obviously it's a favorite what else uh, something that I didn't like when the ladies are at bingo Miranda is wearing like a red scarf, scarf tied around her neck yeah and it is a lot I like a scarf but it looks like a Halloween costume I don't it's really a bit get it. much it's a bit much I also don't like red on red because she's got red hair yeah I, I generally I don't, don't like red as we've also talked about but I don't like red on red especially I also have that in in my notes. Fashion fails. And then the last one I have is in the scene at the very beginning when Carrie's with Big and then she meets up with Samantha in the park. Mm -hmm. She's doing, it's like a new sort of fashion trend of like the bandolier sweater. So like instead of tying around your waist, you do like shoulder to, I mean, like bandolier, like shoulder to side. Carrie's Mm -hmm. sort of doing that. She's got it a shoulder and then it's like over one arm and I like the way that looks. I just thought it was interesting because I really feel like in the 90s, it was definitely like sweater tied around your waist because that was also sort of like the grunge thing. So it was interesting to see her doing that. I always associate that with being very European. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of fashion moments along the same lines as Carrie's opening outfit. I did notice the, the cross body sweater tie, but I also really did not like her dress that she was wearing. It was super not flattering. Like her boobs were like smushed and looked pretty flat because it was like clearly very tight. And then yeah. skirt of the dress was really long and like puffy and it, and she's like so tiny that she would just like looked like she was swimming in it. I hate floral patterns and it was very floral. I did, however, like Samantha's outfit when they're in the park, she's wearing like this kind of cream colored spring coat and then a turquoise blue fitted dress and some like really fun sunglasses. I thought she looked really good. I also noticed there was just like a lot of bedtime wear in this episode, (laughs) a lot of nightgowns and slips and things, but I did like Miranda's little seduction outfit that she put on for Steve. Yeah. I did like like, that too. Yeah. It's like this like bright purple silk slip nightgown type thing. And she's got like one of those cute little kimono style robes. 
And then also carries Cookie Monster PJs. Yeah, I didn't care for that. I I didn't like it, but I thought it was funny. Nostalgia. I didn't have a ton for this one. What about you? I have Steve calls Miranda from a phone booth Mm -hmm. to look at the blue moon, which is, I actually, oh my gosh, I didn't mention on the podcast. Mitch and I were driving out of New York a few weekends ago and I saw a phone booth in Manhattan. No way. I didn't think there were any more left. And I don't know if it was put there as like a prop for something. It was like all the way up on like the upper west side. I really <laughs> freaked out because I was looking out the car window. I was like, I found both. I found both. <laughs> there was bad traffic. Otherwise, I was going to make Mitch go around the corner again. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I yeah, know. I have I have the payphone phone booth thing as well as mine. And then we've talked about this a million times, which is <laughs> smoking inside. And, and this is not related to nostalgia, but the end when Carrie says she had to change her sheets after Big Left because it smelled like cigar. Yeah, like everybody has to do to everything after you come over, Carrie, with your cigarettes. I know. And to be fair, I think cigars are even smellier than cigarettes. They are. But like, it was a little hypocritical coming from Carrie. Exactly. Because she's always smoking everywhere without asking. Totally. Totally. Then the last two things I have for nostalgia, we get a pretty good look at Carrie's 1999 Mac laptop. And it's one of those really, it's like black and really thick. And it was just funny because I was watching it while taking notes on my Mac and seeing then and now in oh, both yeah. terms of thickness and style. It's like, wow, that's a really old computer. That's really fun. Wow. You're oh. taking notes on the Mac now instead of in the old notebook. Yeah. I switched to digital. Then the last thing I have is a sad one. Walking around the park and getting a pretzel. It's so much Uh, harder to find a pretzel now. There's not a lot of carts and most of them are the halal guys. uh And even the last time I got a pretzel, they put it right next to like the meats and it was smoky and not good. So I kind of think that's a dying New York thing. And I love a pretzel. Any other nostalgia things? Nope. That's all I got. All right. Let's jump to problematic things. I have a few. Yeah. I mean, I put circumcision because they just railroad that as it's gross if you're not circumcised and they don't even throw in like a cursory like, well, some people find that controversial. Nothing. The nicest thing that Carrie says is that 85% of the world is circumcised and then it's kind of back to the jokes though. Yeah, I guess should I just run through everything else I have? Yeah. The normalizing men checking out women on the street. The opening scene was all the men like turning their heads. Men can control themselves. I thought Samantha's advice of you can't change a man was sort of the way she was addressing it. I mean, you disagree. So maybe that's not problematic, but it just seemed very, oh, well, they're men. Boys will be boys. What can you do about it? You can Um, still think that's problematic, even if I don't. We don't (laughs) have to agree on everything. Yeah. We frequently don't agree on things. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last thing was the tone of the way they addressed Samantha's ex being a drag queen with Jake has two mommies and everything. Mm -hmm. Just very much. Yeah. Very much just like making it the butt of a joke rather than accepting that as any sort of viable hobby or lifestyle. 
Yeah. What did you have? Pretty similar stuff. Circumcision conversation, obviously. I didn't like it for a couple of reasons. One being that they were treating it like it's like this disgusting thing if somebody's not circumcised. And even, you know, like when they were making the jokes about it, Carrie's like, yeah, maybe his parents were dirty hippies or something. I don't remember if she said dirty hippies, but she definitely said hippies. Again, making it like the butt of a joke rather right. than like a legitimate decision that a parent makes when their child is born. And just the way that they were talking about the circumcision is, in my opinion, the same thing as when they were talking about Samantha's boyfriend with a small penis. It has, it just shows like a complete disrespect for the intimacy between partners and what you should and shouldn't share with your friends. Right. The drag queen thing, totally. To be fair, these conversations were not happening in the 90s, but like they are butchering the pronouns miserably. As far as I'm aware, when someone is in drag, you refer to them by the pronouns of the gender of their drag identity. When someone's not in drag, then you ask them. I thought it was interesting because when drag queen Samantha walks away, Samantha says, I'm prettier than him. I think it would have been a funnier joke if she had said, I'm prettier than her. Agree. I totally agree. The last thing, I don't want to beat a dead horse over this one, but just Big's whole attitude about the cigar thing in the restaurant. Just because you have money doesn't mean you get to make the rules everywhere you go. Agreed. And then the final thing that I find extremely problematic was glossing over Carrie giving Big a black eye. I don't care if it was a mistake and she was mad at him because, you know, he's not perfect or whatever. Like that, that is abuse. That's a good flag. That's a good flag. I you- I think I took that a little bit too lightly, but upon reflection and hearing your side of things, I'm I mean, like, now you're right. I just think as far as representation, if your partner, male or female, hits you, even if it's an accident, and then kind of is like, well, I'm mad at you because you're not doing these things. Everybody needs to take a step back and kind of reassess what happened. And that's what I think was the most upsetting. Should we talk about what holds up? Yeah, definitely. I have a couple of things. So kind of the whole storyline of this is that Big and Carrie are basically beyond the honeymoon phase. She can now not overlook the things that are bothering her about him. And it's kind of like building up. And I do feel like that does just kind of happen sometimes. Like when you're dating someone, like the first few months, you don't see their flaws as much, or like you see their flaws and you think they're endearing. I will say like, now that I'm older, I feel like I see people's flaws and I'm like, I don't find this problematic now, but I feel like I will down the line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And right. That is something that was the case with my last ex also, where I was like, this is like cute and endearing right now, but I feel like this is going to really be an issue for us later. Like, I think that's just relatable. And then you're like, well, how do I confront this now? Cause it's been so long and the confrontations don't always go the way you plan. Like sometimes it does end up in a breakup. So it's scary to do that. So I felt like that was pretty relatable. And then the other thing is like dating people with different schedules. I Mm -hmm. generally tend not to date bartenders and like service industry folks anymore. Not because I think I'm better than them or like they're not good enough or like anything to do with money. It's just our schedules don't line up. And I feel like now that I'm in my thirties, I'm very set in my ways. So like, I don't want to stay up late on a weeknight just to see the person I'm dating. 
I had that thing about being with someone whose schedule doesn't sync up with yours. And then kind of along the same lines, like what you were saying, that just being with somebody and struggling to want to change things about them slash not wanting to change things about yourself. And that's just every relationship. There's going to be stuff that you'll each want to change about each other. And I think as long as it's nothing major and they're not asking you to cut off the foreskin of your penis, I think that's all right. Yeah. Did you have any other things? I have one last thing that's very specific to me. Yeah, go for it. I feel like I just, besides even the schedule thing, I just related to Miranda's storyline quite a bit. I'm just like, I don't want to sit here and cuddle all day. When guys come over and then they stay the night, I'm just like, I wish you would just go home. (laughs) The next morning I'm like, all right, what are you up to today? Going out, out and about, getting up early. Time to go home. And then I'm always just like relieved. I'm like, yes, I'm by myself again. And this is probably why I'm single. We want to talk about the Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test, if you're not familiar, we are now tracking each episode to see if it passes or fails. And we go by the metric that it's two female identifying characters having a conversation for more than two lines. So this we said three lines for more than three lines. So this one is unique because I think it's a fail, but it would be a pass if we're counting drag Samantha as female, which normally I would say we would, but just the way the show itself, it would probably identify her as male because she says to Samantha, like, how are you? And Samantha asks, how are the kids? And he's talking about the kids being in second grade or something like that. So they have like two or three lines of dialogue back and forth. But <laughs> I would think you that's count a that or stretch. Not? I think that's I know. a stretch because A, they are... I think presenting drag Samantha as a man, whether they should or not. Right. And B, it is still under the subtext that they used to date. Yeah. I wouldn't count it as a pass. I'm not counting it as a pass because of just a lot of things in the context of it. But I did think that was funny because there's actually only two scenes of the gals together and then the one of Carrie and Samantha and in all of them, they're just talking about men. Yeah. And Samantha's actually not in this episode very much. She no. doesn't really have a storyline beyond Brad Samantha. Oh, that's okay. Her storylines are often cringy. That's true. All right. Should we do hero and villain of the week? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So I put Miranda for the hero. I think she was trying to make it work and ultimately. She kind of has that fight with Steve, but then she's keeping herself open. And in the end, I think it works out partially because I think Steve is a really good match for her and partially because she doesn't really want to give up on it that easily. So Mm -hmm. for that reason, she is the hero also because everybody else was not great this episode. And then villain, I put Carrie with an exclamation point because she gives her boyfriend a black eye and is judgy about a lot of the topics that we've talked about. All right. So I initially put Carrie as the hero because I was torn between Carrie and Miranda Mm -hmm. because I found that Charlotte was the worst in this episode, Mm -hmm. like by far. And then I was like, Carrie and Miranda were both kind of bad too. But Carrie, at least like she's finally like communicating. But then I think until you and I were talking about it, I didn't really take the whole black eye as like serious as I probably should have. 
So I, I have changed my tune from making Carrie the hero to Miranda. Samantha just didn't have a storyline, so I didn't really include her. I think of all of the gals, she was the most accepting of like change. And she and Steve kind of met in the middle to make some changes. And I thought that was good. And even though she was crabby, she kind of came around and softened and realized she was being a little too much of a hard line on it. Villain, I said, Charlotte. I hate her take on circumcision. She was way too excited when Mike was getting circumcised. Super yeah. unsupportive. And like her just really judgmental and like closed view of the world. I'm really glad that you chose her as the villain because I think that she deserves it as well as Carrie. Yeah. They both, they both need to be up there in the villain hall of fame. Totally. So now is the part in the show where we rank the episode on a scale of one to five on how good was the episode? How good was the sex and how good was the city? Megan, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll start with sex and city and then I'll give my overall rating. Ooh, okay. So sex, I gave a 2.5. And that is because even though Miranda's a little bit cranky about the morning sex, you can still tell that like they're enjoying it. And we very rarely see sex between people that are having it in a loving fashion. So I gave it a 2.5. It would have been a three deductions for all of the scenes with Mike and the circumcision stuff. City, I gave it a two. I didn't really think there was like that much city stuff happening. I said the drag bingo, I think especially in the nineties was probably a pretty specifically New York thing, probably New York and San Francisco and not a lot of other places. Cause I don't think drag was as prominent as it is now, but other than that, I didn't really feel like there was anything super, this is New York. And then for overall, I gave 2.5 for the episode. I didn't hate it, cool. but yeah. I do still think it was slightly below average. Yeah, no, I agree. So I said for sex, I gave this a 3.5. I was going to give it a four. I really liked the Miranda Steve scenes. I am a big cuddler, even though it was the scene where she gets up and she's like, do you want to come get my dry cleaning with me? And he's in bed and he's looking at her smiling. And then she like climbs into bed and she's like begrudgingly, but then she actually is really like happy. I think that's sexy. I enjoyed that. I would have given this episode a four, took half a point away for just the weird Charlotte penis stuff. I also gave City 3.5 because I thought there was a lot of really good outdoor scenes particularly when big and carrie leave the restaurant and they're kind of like by madison square park area and just to sort of see i know that i'm pretty familiar with that like corner that they're on because there's a petco over there which is prominent in the (laughs) background and to just look at like i did pause it and sort of see what it used to look like i thought that was really interesting they're kind of outside a lot there's some other scenes like in front of charlotte's building and then even when they're in like the lobby of big's apartment they're talking about like the doorman thinking carrie's a hooker i just thought there was a lot of like new yorky stuff but (laughs) overall i gave this episode a two i was gonna give it a three but i took off a full point because i really did not like the tone of carrie's punch fair enough (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's all we have. Well, thank you for joining us this week as we discuss our way through the second season of Sex in the City. We hope you join us again next week when we're talking about episode 10, The Cast System. 
going to be real curious to see what they get into with that one. Be prepared. <laughs> but as always, if you have any comments, you can send us a email or a DM on Instagram. You can find both of those handles in the show notes. And please subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would please give us a five-star rating, we would love that. And tell your friends, whether they are Sex in the City fans or critics or just somebody that wants to hear a fun podcast by two very charismatic hosts. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, vibes are parameters. Are not parameters. Are parameters. Are not parameters. Thanks, everybody. Bye.